0: If you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Hallelujah. That was a beautiful extra worship song, wasn't it? Isn't that an awesome blessing? You paid admission not knowing you were getting that extra one, didn't you? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, that's you and me and the Lord, in the heavenly realms with every, everybody say every, spiritual blessing in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord. Lord, this is fresh manna, Lord. It was intended, designed, spoken for today and for this group of people, Lord. I pray that it would be received, Lord, just like that, Lord. Oh, Lord, let it fill the overflowing, Lord. In your name we pray, and everybody says, Amen. Hallelujah. Paul, when he's speaking to the church at Ephesus here, as a theme that he follows all the way through the first several chapters. The title of my message is, The Riches of His Glory. How many like riches? Riches, hallelujah. Start thinking right now, what do you like better, the riches of the world or the riches of His glory? Because you might not believe this, but they might not be the same thing. Hallelujah. Our idea of riches... And his idea of riches may be two different things. And he wants to talk to you today about the riches of his glory, which is greater than the greatest riches of this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He goes on. He says, He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I'm going to expound on that in a minute, but he says every spiritual blessing... He's blessed us with, and that's in the past tense. We're going to get to that in a minute. Every spiritual blessing, past tense, already has given it to us in Christ, in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 1.13, just a little further down, it's ten verses later, it says, and you also were included, and there's that in Christ again. Everything in Ephesians... Constantly is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, when we um, became in Christ, something changed. something was deposited in us that 's not there before we 're in Christ, and so he says in one thirteen and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth when were included when I heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Man, riches are starting to flash in my mind again. Isn't this fun? Talking about riches that are coming to us and in inheritance. How many would be excited today, and you might even dance a jig in church, if you found out you just inherited a lot of money and you're in line for a big payday. Well, you just heard it. You just heard it nobody got excited. You have an inheritance in Christ that's bigger than any of your rich relatives and comes with a lot less trouble. Amen. Deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. To follow this theme, go down to 18, which is five verses later. It says, I pray that the eyes, I pray, who's praying for this church and these believers and to all believers everywhere, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. So you didn't get as excited when I was talking about your, your family's inheritance. We got excited, but he's talking about the glorious inheritance again in his holy people. Uh-oh. Something just shifted there, and nobody noticed. Well, of course, pastor, our inheritance in heaven when we die. Did you read that right? Your eyes might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you are called, the riches of His glorious inheritance. Giant word there. In His saints. In His holy people. The inheritance was deposited through the Holy Spirit is what Paul is unraveling. And it's inside of you. And he's already said it's every spiritual blessing you could potentially ever receive is inside of you the inheritance has been deposited by the Holy Spirit as your down payment for the inheritance that's coming when you die. Now all we ever talk about is the inheritance when we die. Why don't we ever talk about the inheritance that's in His saints? There's an inheritance inside of you of every spiritual blessing, and Paul's trying to unravel what he calls a mystery in Ephesians. He says, go down to 3 8, this is two chapters later, he says, The grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. There's that riches again. It's in you. This riches is in us, and he wants them to understand what it is. If you don't understand the treasure is somewhere, what do you have? A hidden treasure. Now what good is a hidden treasure to anybody? A hidden treasure is good for nobody, right? So he's trying to pray for the Ephesians that they will somehow have enough revelation from God to realize that there is a treasure inside of them that's hidden. Hallelujah. He goes on, Ephesians 3.8 I just read that one. 3.16. I pray that what? Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being. This riches coming out of you and in your inner being to give you strength out of his riches. Ephesians 3.17, the next verse. So that Christ may what? dwell That's uh, make His home in your heart through what? Faith. And I pray, now, He's already made a dwelling place, now He's praying for something more again. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, you may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to what? Grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. He's saying there's boundaries here that you don't even know. You've got a little bit of it, but there's boundaries that are beyond what you've ever experienced. There's more in my presence. When I dwell in your heart, there's more than you've experienced. He's saying again, you have hidden treasure that I want you to find. I want you to find it. I want you to see it. I want you to be enlightened. I want you to have the inheritance today, and tomorrow, and the future. He goes on to grasp how wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I say, well, Chad, I I read the best commentaries from the best um, theologians, and I know the Word really well, and I study really well, and and and, and and can I tell you, I do too. But it's just not enough. What do you mean it's not enough? I study day and night. It's unending my level of study. I have no idea the knowledge I have about God. But what he's saying is that's really a good thing, but there's something that's better and surpasses that, and that's the Holy Spirit revealing The bounds of God's love. The bounds of God's treasure. The bounds of God's inheritance to His people. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to do that. Hallelujah. It goes on, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. It says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. Now when did God do that? Creation. So for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made the light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This is going to play heavy later. The glory is what? If I'm talking about, you say, well, why you pick that verse? That's random. If I'm talking about the riches of God's glory, I need to find out what's His glory. His glory is displayed in His face. So where am I going to find my inheritance at? He's dwelling in my heart, but I need to find the glory that's in shines on His face. In his presence. This is deep stuff. Sorry, I throw out on you know, Sunday morning. And he says, but we have this treasure. The glory is the face of Christ. And he connects the treasure with the face of Christ. And he says, We have this treasure in jars of clay. You say, Well, cool. We finally, case is solved. We know where the, where the treasure's at now. Where can we find? Are these dead sea scrolls? Or where are these clay jars at? You might know where the clay jars are. Because there's a hidden treasure inside of them. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Folks, you are a jar of clay. The treasure is inside of you. The inheritance of God has been deposited. and Every spiritual blessing is inside of us. And guess what? You and the world around you will never see it if we don't find a way to draw it out. We've been waiting for God to send it. We've been waiting for God to, man, God just send it down from heaven when God said the inner sanctuary of heaven is in the heart, not of everybody, the heart of those who trust in His name. And so inside of that sanctuary is a treasure that the world needs, a treasure that the world wants, a treasure that... That uh, God wants the world to have, but He says it's inside of jars of clay, and sometimes the jars of clay don't care to draw it out. They want to keep it hidden. And what God wants to do is to begin to reveal the grace, the mercy, the love, the peace, the joy, the gifts of the Spirit that are inside of the vessels that were deposited when you believed in Christ through the Holy Spirit, and God wants to begin to draw it out. Hallelujah. Amen? I told you God gave me a word. You better hope my tire don't go flat next week. Hallelujah. Jonathan, you need to wear dark pants next week. He was going to help me, but he had white pants on. That would have been bad. Would have been real bad. So let's break this down. The first scripture I read in... Um, in fact, I've got, I've got two more scriptures, actually. Philippians 4:19 and "May God, and my God will meet all of your needs according to what? The riches of His glory in Christ Jesus." So who's going to meet the need? The riches are in the jars of clay." Paul's actually talking to the Philippians because they just gave him a, a gift to help him. And he's thanking them and said the gift is a sweet savor to the Lord. And he says, I know my God will provide all your needs according to His riches, which are in us, in glory. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 2.9 However, it's written what no eye has seen. Wow, this is mysterious stuff. No eye has seen it. This is one of their sayings, actually. Paul's quoting them. It's written, what I no eye I has seen and no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the thing God has prepared for those who love Him. And we're like, I love that verse, because I can't even fathom what God has prepared for us. I haven't seen it, I haven't heard it. It's just unfathomable, right? But then Paul kind of ruins the whole party here. He says, these are the things God has revealed. Uh Uh-oh. You hear that? We're still saying that no eye has seen and no ear has heard, and Paul's saying that these things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, nobody knows the thoughts of God. See, there you have it. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, because we can't know the thoughts of God. Paul ruins the party again. Because no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. You see what he's saying again. He's saying there's an inheritance there that no man has seen, no ear has heard, but those who are in Christ, the Spirit wants to take you deeper He wants you to know the thoughts of the Spirit, because the thoughts of the Spirit are the thoughts of God. And he says, I want to reveal the thoughts of God that no man has seen and no ear has heard. It's going to be revealed in you even the deep thoughts of God. And he's going to show you what God has freely given you. Remember, all the gifts have already been deposited in you. This is what we speak of, Paul said in verse 13, not in words taught by human wisdom. Maybe we've been taught by human wisdom too long. Maybe we've been listening to people with a lot of letters behind their name and we really haven't read it for ourselves. Oh, Chad, don't you dare do that. You're on holy ground, man. You're talking about seminary professors here, great theologians. Can I tell you something? When Jesus came to this world, He bypassed every synagogue. He bypassed every brilliant rabbi. And He found a group of people that were waiting for a Messiah fishing. And smelled and stunk and were lower middle class people. And He said, you're my leaders. So watch out. Hallelujah. So what's it mean... He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. This word blessing is an interesting word. It's where we get our word eulogy. It means to speak well of somebody. And whatever form it's in, and in here it's, a, it's in a form, it is an aorist active participle, eulogio. Now listen to this. Here's what's important. He has blessed us, is what the phrase means. It's an aorist tense, which means it's already been a done act. Do you understand that? You say, well, man, I would love to be blessed. God, will you bless me? God, will you send that blessing from... How far is heaven away? I don't know, man. It's... We don't know where exactly it's at. But the Bible says in the believer that the sanctuary of God, we are the temple of the living God where he lives. And so we're asking God, we've been taught the wrong way to pray. We've been praying to a God who's eons away in a heaven where we don't know where it's at. And we haven't applied the Word of God that says the Spirit of God lives within us and God's temple is in it, within us and every spiritual blessing has already been placed within us. It's waiting to be drawn out, church. Why do you think in the Bible it says that people forfeit grace, they miss grace, they miss mercy, they miss these blessings of God that have been poured out upon His people it says that they fail to acquire them because God says, I've already deposited every blessing in you, and you're just not drawing it out for use. Amen. We're praying for blessings to come, and God's saying, The blessing is there. Quit, start trying to figure out why it's not being drawn out. Because here's the problem. Everything in this world that is precious is deep. If I want to go find a pearl, I've got to go deep in the ocean. If I want to find a diamond, I've got to go deep. If I want to mine some gold, I've got to go deep. Do you know that the precious things many times... Are deep. And you say, well, why do I have to go so deep into my heart to find the blessings that God has for me? Because soil in the Bible represents flesh. God wants to bless you with everything. In fact, that word eulogy means God speaks well of you. God wants to bless you. God wants to pour out his blessing. God wants you to have the blessing. God wants you to see the blessing in the Word of God, and God wants you to appropriate it to your life. And if that blessing is not manifesting itself in your life, we need to go inwardly and say, God, why? It's there. I know it's there. I know it's there to mine. I know it's there to go deeper and deeper and deeper. You know when I preach every week, you know what I'm doing? Those messages are already there. You know, God has a blessing for this church. It's been deposited in me. And God says, see, go go after it. Find something precious to bring to the people. Pull something out of that pool of that inexhaustible grace that's within your heart. What I've deposited in you I have ordained for these people to have. Chad, go as deep as you can. Mind as deep as you can. Pray as hard as you can. Begin to draw out from the wells of salvation blessing for this people. And you say, well man, I wish I was a pastor. Because that's so exciting. But do you know what? when you get up in the morning, you know that there are things inside of you that God has put treasure in your soul. He wants you to draw it out and He wants you to give it. You say, well, what's a spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts for the building up of the church. It's gifts that are given to serve other people. It's gifts that are meant to be drawn out to bless somebody. They're, they're things that are meant from God. They're within us. Every believer, the Bible says, has them. And God says, I want you to dig deep I want you to get close to the Lord. I want you to behold His faith. I want you to begin to draw from this inexhaustible source that's been put in believers. And I want you to be my minister. I want you to minister to people from the reservoir that I put inside of you. Hallelujah. So He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. And the Bible says we have an inheritance. We all know about our inheritance. One day we're going to inherit the earth, the Bible says. One day we're going to inherit everything. In fact, the Bible says that God created everything for the inheritors of righteousness. That means everything that God's created. You look at the sun, the moon, the stars. God created everything for those who are going to inherit righteousness. But did you know what? You're also an inheritance. You have an inheritance, and then God says, We're His inheritance. That'll blow your mind. Did you know you're God's inheritance? Why was God. Why does God need an inheritance? You think God gets as excited as we do? God has an inheritance. Listen to this. Deuteronomy four twenty. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. Deuteronomy thirty two nine for the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is an allotment of his inheritance. You see all these scriptures saying that Israel is God's inheritance? I've got to think about that for a while. I've got to be honest. I have to think about God gaining an inheritance. Isn't that hard to think about? He owns the cattle and a thousand. He owns everything, but He wants us.
1: Why doesn't God just
0: force everybody to do what He wants to do? Because He wants us as His inheritance. He wants us to be presented to Him as His inheritance. He wants a restoration of the relationship He had in the garden. when He could walk with us, talk with us, know us, love us, be with us, fellowship with us on a level that you can only do with a friend or a brother or a mom or a dad. He wanted to restore the relationship. And it says, one day, in fact, Ephesians goes to great lengths to tell a group of pagan people, in fact, there's several more on his inheritance with Israel. Psalm 28. Save your people and bless your inheritance, God. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. Psalm 33, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen for His inheritance. Then in Ephesians 2.12, get this. This is a group of pagan people that have been adopted into Israel. Right? He said, I predestined you to be adopted as God's people with Israel. He says in Ephesians 2.12, Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants and the promise of the promise. You were without hope and without God in this world, but now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he's trying to tell a group of pagans, you're part of the inheritance now. You're part of God's inheritance. And he celebrates all through the Old Testament. In fact, 14 says, For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups. Who are the two groups he's talking about? Jews and Gentiles. He's made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God has this inheritance, and He says the world is going to celebrate because there is a day ordained when the Jewish veil will fall off and they will see that you are my inheritance, and the entire nation of Israel in that day will be presented to God as his inheritance, and they will be his God, and they will be he will be they will be his people and he will be their God. And there's a day when the Gentiles will be presented to the Lord as a bride. Without spot and without wrinkle, they'll be presented to the Lord as His inheritance. And Jesus Christ, it says, emptied Himself of everything for the excitement of that day. Hallelujah. But, as I mentioned, our inheritance is not visible. It's hidden in the saints. For this reason, he says in Ephesians 3.1, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, he's trying to explain this administration of grace, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. No, he wasn't reading the book of Revelation. Jesus Christ personally appeared to Paul and says, this is the mystery. Grace is going to be deposited in the Gentiles because they are my inheritance. I'm going to deposit every spiritual gift. And he says, the mystery was made known to me by Revelation, so I have already written briefly In reading this, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This is a new thing that nobody's ever talked about before, which was made known, which was not made known to people in other generations. This is verse 5. Ephesians 3, verse 5. It was not made known to people in other generations. You understand this is a secret? No other generation knew that God was going to do this. It was a mystery that was been revealed to Paul. He's revealing to the world. He says it's a mystery that was not made known in other generations, and now it's being revealed by who? The Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that through the Gospel... The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, chairs together in the promise of Christ. I become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. Hallelujah. Now, verse three, chapter three, verse eight, I want you to listen to what he is a minister of. He says, Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me for what reason? To preach to the Gentiles what? The boundless riches of Christ. Now, see, you're not excited because that's not millionaire, billionaire riches. Okay? If by knowing Christ, and he's a billionaire and he were sitting right here, Jesus were right here. And he were a billionaire, and we were saying, if you're in this billionaire's life, he's going to give us all a portion of that billion? You wouldn't be this quiet. You'd already have your calculators out, saying, what is my portion? But Jesus is saying Paul was bound to preach as a servant of Christ to let them know what the boundless riches are of Christ. Let me give you some other uh, translations of that verse. Amplified, it says, He has called you, one version says, the boundless riches of Christ, the international. New Living Translation says, the endless treasures. English Standard says, unsearchable riches. They're all trying to define a word in English according to what that Greek word was. New American Standard says, unfathomable riches. Christian Standard says incalculable riches. Contemporary English says blessings that can't be measured. Good News Translation says infinite riches of Christ. Infinite, incalculable, unfathomable, unsearchable. I like unsearchable because that tells me that people aren't searching. And you say, well, does this message come from? Where would you come up with a message like this? Your mind, I'll tell you. We were sitting in the prayer room Thursday night, right? And I was in the presence of the Lord, just in the Spirit, all right? And God says, I want to show this church the riches of my glory. I want to show the church the riches of my glory. Bible will tell you, this message is all just that. Now, that, now last two weeks, God's given me a message and I haven't hardly had to write it. I've actually worked 16 straight hours on this message, okay? And then I had to have a flat tire and need 30 more minutes. But God says He wants to reveal to our church the riches of His glory. So naturally, I'm thinking, what is that? You ever got a word from the Lord, and you just didn't know what He was talking about? I mean, I've got an idea. I've heard the f- term before, the phrase, and I thought, "Man, what is the riches of your glory, Lord?" And then God began to show me it's not been searched, it's not been fathomed, it's not been calculated, it's not been measured. We don't know the height, the depth, or the width. You know, it's something that is all been deposited in us through the Holy Spirit. It's there. It's resident. God wants us to have it, but yet we don't. Yet we haven't searched it. Yet we haven't found it. Yet we haven't pulled it out. Yet we don't operate in those gifts that are resident within every believer. And God says, I want to reveal to you the riches of my glory. So I start praying, God, what are the riches of your glory? What is that? What is the riches of your glory? What do you want me to know about your glory? And I just started studying and studying and studying and praying and praying and praying. And, and I, and I started, started just thinking about this treasure hunter. Anybody ever went on a treasure hunt? Some of you won't admit it. Come on, Ryan, you, you're a treasure hunt kind of kid. You know, you guys have been to treasure hunts. Come on. Come on, what are, who are we kidding here? Who else has? Somebody else admit it. Yeah, come on. And I've seen them out there. I've seen them out there with their, I've seen metal detectors. How many of you have ever seen somebody who's good at it? And man, they're everywhere. Some of you have probably watched that show about Oak Island. Yeah, you won't admit it now. Because you know they're never going to find anything but pennies. Yeah, that's it. They fooled you. They fooled me too. But here's hidden treasure Paul's talking about. And he's telling us if Christ dwells in us and we begin to seek His face, that God is going to begin to allow us to draw out of that treasury gifts of mercy and grace and love and abundance like we can't even calculate. We can't even fathom. And you say, well, man, all I've been doing is I haven't gone very deep in my walk. I've just been kind of kicking the ground looking for treasure. You're not a very good treasure hunter. I mean, no, you're not going to find much just kind of kicking around in the dirt and then here's the guy coming right behind you with a $1,000 metal detector. And He's a serious treasure hunter, you know. And what God wants us to do is to realize Paul is praying like crazy that Ephesus will realize that there's more. There's more than even just the Word. The Word is everything to me. Teaching the Word is everything to me. Living by the Word is everything to me. The exed, proper exegesis of the Word is everything to me. But these riches are only mine through the Holy Spirit. So I have to know the Word of God, which is like my map. It's my treasure map. I've got to know the Word of God to know what kind of blessings have been deposited me before the foundation of the earth God had planned on pouring blessings in every believer, I've got to know from the Word of God what kind of things are in here that God wants me to have in my life. What kind of things are in here that God wants me to pour out to the world around me? What kind of things are in here that God wants me to to go after with all of my heart? And so I've got a treasure map in the Word of God and the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit that will draw it out. And as I began to look, I thought, man... 1 Corinthians four six just, just really stuck out to me. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The glory of His face. The glory of His face. Man, I was driving over here and I was trying to find a way to get all the stuff off my hands and my face, and God just started man, giving me revelation about his face. His face, because we think we know about his face. Because we've seen a picture of an American Jesus. What a beautiful man! You know that? I love beautiful Jesus. I mean mean, I love beautiful Jesus? There's a beautiful one right there. And I love beautiful Jesus. Some people have thought, man, I can do better. I'll, we're we're going to make him really mi- Middle Eastern. It's more accurate. You know, we'll make a Middle Eastern Jesus. Say, so, man, just looking at that picture of that beautiful Mid- Middle Eastern Jesus. Bless him. Then another one comes along and says, well, he was... You know, we need a black Jesus. You know, i said, say, man, I love a beautiful black Jesus. i me say, where are you getting at, Chad? Get to the point. No, I'm having fun with my analogy, okay? I'm going to keep on going. <laughs> but God just started, uh, I just started really thinking about the glory that's in his face. And I thought, man, what does that face And I started thinking back to everything I know about his face. And I remember when um, he was resurrected. And I remember Mary Magdalene knew him very well. Right? And the women were the first to see him in the garden. He doesn't know who he is. How come she doesn't know who he is? He thought he was somebody else until so he spoke who he was. The road to Emmaus, some of his very close disciples walked with him a long period of time. They didn't know who he was. Remember, he's in his glorified, permanent glorified body. They don't know who he is. He goes to their house to have dinner. Or break bread with him, and when he breaks the bread, what happens? Some people think they've seen his hands, maybe, and figured out who he was, something God's glory just shone on his face. But they didn't know who he was in his glorified body, and so I thought, man God, what are you trying to tell me about beholding the face? And we'll go to Revelation 5. One of the few real descriptions here and in the Old Testament we get one. And I'm slightly speculating here. But in chapter 5, verse 6, in verse 5 they're talking about nobody is able to open the scroll and the seven seals, and then they saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, he had seven horns, seven eyes, which saw the seven spirits of God. But notice in the midst, they see Jesus. And what do they see? They see Him as He had been slain. They've seen a vision of Jesus with all the markings of being slain. How many know that? What do you think he looked like? What do you think a crucified Jesus looked like? Well, turn back to Isaiah 53. Actually, the Old Testament does a better job of explaining what he looked like than most of the New Testament. In fact, a lot of the Old Testament prophecies tell what he was thinking, what he looked like. You know, gives a lot of extra details. We don't always see the other accounts go on other details. 53 says, There was no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, familiar was suffering like one who men, what? hide their faces from. He was despised. We esteemed Him not. Surely He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered Him stricken by God, smitten by Him and afflicted. Do you see what happened when He died on the cross? They turned their back on Him because of He was so disgusting to look at. They despised Him. They esteemed Him not. They looked at Him when He was on the cross. This is a first-person account of what's happening on the cross. They had to hide their face because He was so disgusting to look at. You ever look at your Lord that way? Face so disgusting to look at, we turned our back because we couldn't look at Him. He was despised. He was rejected. We looked at him and said, look, that's what a man looks like who's stricken by God. God's judgment is upon that man. And there he lay, dead. You say, well, I don't know. Maybe that's not saying... Look at 52. End of 52 in verse 13. See my servant. He will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Who's that talking about? Jesus Christ on the cross. It says, just as there were many who were appalled at Him. you hear that? Many of them were appalled by them. Now remember, a glorified body is a permanent body, right? Why do you think they couldn't recognize Jesus? Because His beard was completely plucked out, right? You ever seen somebody that always has a full beard and then doesn't? They ripped his beard completely out, unrecognizable. And you say, well, that's not so bad. I could probably endure that. Listen to this, 52, 14. There were many that were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man. You understand he was disfigured in his face more than any man had ever been disfigured. whatever you were taught about the crucifixion it was crucifixion light it wasn't the real one because the real one says all of hell came to him twisted his arm figuratively and said say uncle quit, give up stop what you're doing for man stop, I know that you want to redeem man but stop all of hell came against him his face was disfigured so badly, no man had ever been that disfigured, and they were appalled when they looked at him. And this is his glorified body, according to Revelation, because he still, in the last day, walking up to the throne, still looked like the lamb that had been crucified. you understand what the face looks like, church? And it goes on and it says... His appearance was disfigured beyond that of any man. His form was marred beyond human likeness. His form was marred beyond human likeness. you understand why they couldn't tell who He was? Do you you recognize why they didn't know it was their Lord? Why they had to be told? Why why Thomas walked in and, and, and and they said, we've seen Him, we've seen Him, and He said, I won't believe it. I don't believe it's Him. I don't think it's Him. He didn't recognize Him. His face had been marred, disfigured. That's His glorified body. He's, he's, he's walking around. Even in Revelation, He has that body. And I'm speculating here, I know. But He was marred, and that face was beaten. It was broken. And you know, when one day, I believe, there's going to come a time when there's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. There's going to be everything in heaven is not going to be man-made anymore. It's all going to be new. Everything's going to be rebuilt. Everything's going to be absent of the work of man. And there's not going to be one thing in the world at that time that's going to be man-made except one thing. His face. You're going to see all of man's work that they did on that face. Church, I'm telling you right now, let me tell you a story that God put my heart on the way over. There was a woman, and her face, how I many have you ever seen somebody that's been burnt really badly and disfigured in their face? And, and there was this girl that every day her mom would take her to school. And every day mom would bring her in, and she would be humiliated because her mother's face was disfigured. And every day she would say, I don't want my mom to bring me to school because I'm so ashamed of her face. And and every day she would struggle with the shame of her mother's face. And then one day, somebody told them the story of how her mother's face got burned. They had a fire in their home, and the baby was in the baby's crib. And the mother, fearing of losing her baby, ran to the room, grabbed the infant, put her under her shirt and covered her with her body, and ran. And when that little girl found out what her mother had done, she was never ashamed again. Every time she looked at that face, she knew how much her mother loved her, that her mother gave everything, even her own beauty, to save her life. In church, we don't have everything that God wants us to have because we haven't seen it. We're still looking at the beautiful Jesus. We're looking at the Jesus that's perfect and beautiful and exactly what we wanted. And Jesus wants us to see the face of love. The face that poured out everything for you. The, play, play, the, the, the Jesus that was poor so you could be rich in Christ. The Jesus that poured out everything. And what God wants us to do, there's two ways. Two ways that we find the blessings that God has for our life. There's two ways. One way, we have to get in the Word of God. We have to figure out why did God do so much? Why did He go through all of this? for me, and find out what blessings God has given to us. You say, well, they're all mine, right? Those are your blessings, but the Holy Spirit has to give them to you. The Holy Spirit appropriates the blessings of God into your life. And you say, what's appropriation mean? Appropriation means that He gives me the gift that says it's mine to have. And we, church, we have to get in the presence of God. We have to get in the presence of God, and when we're in the presence of God, we will see the glory of God. And the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And when you discover who Jesus is, and you discover what His face looks like, and you discover the riches of His glory... God can begin to pour out into our lives every spiritual blessing. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. You pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this word, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would enlighten, Lord, you would uh, open our eyes to everything, Lord God, that you have for us. Lord, there's an abundance there, Lord God. There's an unfathomable supply, Lord God, an inexhaustible, Lord God, an incalculable supply that we are neglecting, Lord. Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, that you would give us, like Ephesians says, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord. Lord, that we would know the height and the width and the depth, Lord God, of your love. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. There's two groups of people I really want to minister to this morning. If you're not in Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, we don't have that inexhaustible supply, that inheritance, that gift that God wants to pour into your life of everything. And if you're in Christ, you need the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you about that word. It's more than just study. It's the Holy Spirit opening the eyes of your heart to understand everything that God has for your life. So I just want to invite you to this altar. I'm not going to, take, I'm not going to waste my time, with raise your hand. But Chad, you owe me that. No, I don't owe you that. You're not right with the Lord. You're not coming up here to meet with me. You're coming up here to meet with the Lord. And if you're serious about it, I don't have to count to five, and I don't have to have you raise your hand. It's time, time to quit playing games, church. We've had too many. Nobody's looking. Nobody's peeking. I'm going to count to five. I'm going to have you raise your hand a couple times. If you're not, not right with God, there's an altar up here, and I will lead you to the Lord. I'll teach you how to repent. Get right with God. Get in Christ and get full of the Holy Spirit. So that's you today, just don't waste any time. We'll pray for you up here. You say, Well, Chad, I'm I'm away from the Lord. And I'm so far away from the Lord, man, I, I'm not even I'm not close to God at all. That's you we gotta place for you. You're a Christian. In fact, this should be everybody here, and you say, Man, my heart leaps when I found out I have an inheritance, I have a touch. When there's things in God that I know God wants for me, but I, I can't see it right now, and I want God to do everything in my life. I want God to pour out his gifts in my life, I want God to I want fruit to begin to grow in my life I want all that grace, all that wonderful um, grace and mercy and and love that's that's inside of me, I want God to draw it out, I don't want my flesh to hold it back anymore, I want to do what God has called me to do and I want God to begin to draw all that out of me, those spiritual blessings that God wants to pour out in your life if that's you, just find a place you can make an altar at your seat You can come up here. We can pray for you. We can lay hands on you. But I I want you to find a place to pray. We're going to worship here for a few minutes. Hallelujah. service never ends right there's always people here that are eager to pray for you if you've never given your heart to the lord and you say man i don't know right now but i'll talk to you later we're always available how many know that we want to see you live for the lord we want to see you get right with the lord we want to see you come back if you're a prodigal from the lord we want to see you full of god's spirit prayer meeting never ends church right hallelujah praise the lord i was just thinking uh How could Paul write these things that we're talking about today? About seeing the glory on his face and the treasure. How many know that Paul's entire ministry was launched because he's seen the face of Jesus? How many know that he had a revelation and Jesus Christ appeared to him and he said, Why are you persecuting me? And something happened to Paul when he looked into those eyes. Church, God has spoken to this church that I want you to see His face. I want you to behold His glory and in that glory of that face are riches that you can't imagine. But God wants to reveal it through His Spirit. Which means we got to take the time to get in His presence so we can see His face. Remember the glory of God in the Old Testament had to be veiled because we couldn't look upon God's face. But now in His Son is the Shekinah glory of His face and He wants us to see. Paul said to Him, I want to see His face. And you say, well, man, I know exactly what I'm going to see. See, we think when we get to heaven, we know what he looks like. But I think we're all going to be shocked when we see. I think we're all going to look and we're going to see the face of love that we never could imagine. And I think we can see that face now in advance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, do your will in this church, Lord God. Oh, Father, may there be many who seek your face, Lord God. Seek your glory, Lord God. Seek your inheritance that is in the saints, Lord. Father, be with your people. Put your glory, Lord God, before them, Lord. Let it shine off their faces, Lord God. Father, I pray that blessings would be poured out from your people all week, Lord. Let them be a blessing to other people. Lord, I thank you for your people and I thank you for this church, Lord. And and we're thankful, Lord God, for your spirit. Bless them now as they go in your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.